When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What a late Thursday night slash Friday morning, but that's what happens when you're on the board at number 28. The Bengals don't trade up or down. They stay put right with they, where, where they were, and they get Miles Murphy, the edge rusher out of Clemson, breaking a 20-plus year precedent of not taking a defensive lineman in the first round. But here we are, breaking it down for you. Welcome into a special post-draft podcast edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast. Muhammad Ahmad, Mike Nislik, and Andrew Gillis burning that oil after hours at approximately 1.30 a.m. on this Friday. So obviously it's been a late night for everyone. So we will keep this as thorough and tight as possible for tonight. But I mean, guys, we talked about, you know, will the Bengals buck history and, you know, do something they haven't done really since 2001. That's how long it's been since they got a D lineman that early. I mean, when you saw the Bengals were on the clock and you knew it was going to come down to him, Michael Mayer, Nolan Smith, and amazingly Joey Porter Jr., I mean, did you guys think in your all's minds that Murphy was the guy? Like, were you just right then and there, like, that's who they need to get? Well, I think early on, you kind of started to get the sense that things could get a little weird. Um, You know, Jameer Gibbs, I mean, the Lions played a big part in this. So, you know, Jameer Gibbs going 12th, I I don't think anybody saw that. You know, I think... We, we had this debate on the on the pod. Do you take Jameer Gibbs if he's there at 28? Um, so, you know, th- that is where things kind of started to turn. Darnell Wright goes 10th. Uh, you know, that, that was a little bit earlier. So things started to change a little bit. Will McDonald went earlier than some people thought. Jack Campbell sneaks into the top 20 when nobody really thought that that was possible. So, you know, Mozzie Smith, 26. You start to get down the list. And I mean, they had some some really good names on the board and, and names that we talked about. Um, you know, we we obviously mentioned Miles Murphy before uh, before they before they took him, and uh, we also mentioned Brzee. Um, You know, we mentioned Michael Mayer. He wasn't picked. Um, it just to me, as you got closer to it, th- there were like three options, maybe four, actually probably four options: Murphy, Brzee, Mayer, and uh, Joey Porter Jr. and you know, you, you need a pass rush. We, we talked about this on the pod that their pass rush was not good enough last season. And now you go get uh, a, a guy who, who's young, who's coming out of college with, with kind of room to grow and uh, room to room to kind of develop. So, yeah, I, I think that this was kind of a, a nice situation for the Bengals. You get, you know, a player that, frankly, I didn't think was going to be there. I think Mike kind of mentioned that on the other pod that, you know, he didn't think Murphy was going to be around. And, he was, and the Bengals made that pick. So, yeah, I thought it was a really good pick. But, uh, yeah, when, when you get to, like, 20, 24 and you can start to kind of whittle down the names, uh, you, you could kind of get a sense that, that there was going to be somebody there that they liked. Well, the best thing that probably happened to them was the was the Lions taking Campbell and then the run on receivers <laughs> yeah. um, that probably, you know, because I look back on it when I was writing today, and, you know, basically after McDonald was taken – Miles Murphy and Nolan Smith, you know, probably depended on the board, were the next pass rusher up. So essentially, you know, if somebody was interested, 
uh, he would have been the guy. And so, you know, I think Zach Taylor kind of said they were kind of sweating there when it got down to it because, you know, there's about, what, 13 picks there between that. And, that, and that, I think that was a long stretch, you know, especially for a pass rusher, um, you know, when a lot of those guys I think that were impact guys already off the board and there was only a couple left. So I think it kind of developed perfectly for them. I thought there was only a few scenarios where, you know, maybe I'm wrong and maybe, you know, they were saying that they weren't going to necessarily draft a tight end, but that they would pass up on Mayer just because he seemed like the f- perfect fit. And this was one of them. I, you know, I, I thought Miles Murphy was a terrific fit for this team the entire time, a guy that could rush off the edge and, and lose system um, that had kind of freak athleticism. You know, his testing got delayed and that might have helped the Bengals. I'm not really sure, you know, how that played a role in kind of his thing. He was dealing with a hamstring injury, couldn't test at the combine, only did the bench press, couldn't test at Clemson's original pro day, had to reschedule it later. Um, so, you know, everything kind of worked out for them. Didn't have to trade up to get a talent that at one time, you know, was talked about as a top 10 pick. Um, and there was nothing that really kind of came up in the draft process that would really alter that evaluation other than people getting, you know, maybe more information on other guys and they like them more. But, you know, I, I don't think Murphy was any different of a player than he was three months ago when, when he had that evaluation. Yeah, I agree with you there. And, I mean, it's interesting. You mentioned Will McDonald. Like, I was shocked that the Jets drafted him that high. I thought he was a, at best, late first-round pick, kind of like Nolan Smith went to the Eagles or the Chiefs who got Felix and Adike Uzama. I kind of saw it like that. I mean, Mozzie Smith was probably one of the biggest head-scratchers. Nothing against him, but I don't know. As much as the Cowboys were high on him, I don't know why they would be when the guy basically had, like, what, half a sack last season? I'm not really sure what they saw with him. But, you know, you kind of got the sense of, like, okay, Jack Campbell goes to the Lions, Jameer Gibbs goes to the Lions, Darnell Wright, like Andrew mentioned, top 10 pick. I did not see that coming. I was honestly thinking at one point that Kalai Jacanti was going to slide down, but, you know, Tampa Bay said, oh, we're going to take that, and, you had that string of wide receivers, you know, from picks 19, you know, or, yeah, 20 through 24. And those picks really opened up the door for the Bengals at that point, you know. And I think that's really where, like Zach Taylor said, they didn't expect them to be in that situation, but they took advantage of it, you know. And you, you could hear Louis Anarumo talk, and this is the big thing, I think, where Murphy makes a difference. You're dealing with Patrick Mahomes next year. You're dealing with Josh Allen next year, you know, and – you're going to deal with C.J. Stroud next year, who's going to be with the Houston Texans, and Anthony Richardson. We'll see what those guys look like. They could be win-now players. Like, you got to deal with those guys. And, of course, corners helps, and we'll see what happens in the second round. We'll worry about that tomorrow. But, I mean, when you get a guy like Murphy and insert him into that rotation with Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, you know, for a guy like that who's a three-down, you know, edge rusher, what's the difference between the Bengals' pass rush last year and what you could see them elevating to, you know, next season. Well, I, one of the things that we had debated on this podcast for, for frankly, months was kind of, you know, the the short-term, long-term debate. You know, I was kind of in the mold of, hey, you know, I think you can get a player who can help you in the long term, and it's okay if that's if that's the case. You, you know, if you have to draft for a year in advance, and but he's the highest player on your board, and that's okay. And, you know, Mike kind of made the case that, look, you need somebody that can help you right now um, and I actually think Murphy kind of fills both needs because uh, you, you look at the pass rush last year, you know, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, eight sacks and six and a half sacks respectively, uh, which is fine for your starting tandem, um, you know, especially considering that, you know, they're, they're really strong in terms of, you know, win rates and things like that and kind of how they defend the run and how they just kind of play the position as a whole. But the next leading sack getter was Joseph Osai. 
and he had three and a half. So, I mean, your top two sack uh, sack leaders, they combined for 14 and a half of the 30 that you had across 16 games. So, you know, that, that to me, that's, that's not good enough. And I mean, it, clearly they, they ranked 29th in the league. Uh, you needed some kind of boost. So, you know, I think that number is going to go up because if you can get kind of similar production from, from Hendrickson and Hubbard, you kind of add another player who can, who can rush in a spot, can maybe come in on third downs. You add another pass rusher there. Uh, you know, if Osai continues to develop, you, you feel better about that. So I think, you know, at the very least in the short term, you add a guy who's going to help that, who's going to benefit from, from kind of playing behind two guys like Hendrickson and Hubbard. You can rotate him in. I mean, Hendrickson and Hubbard, I mean, they didn't get through a full season last year, and it's just really hard to play 17 games in the NFL. So if they have to miss a week, you know, you're probably going to feel pretty decent about putting Murphy in there. So, yeah, I think, you know, the depth right now is, is better than it was. Uh, you know, if you kind of look at, you know, where the defensive line group was last season compared to this season, now you have Miles Murphy, you have a potential starter kind of down the line or someone that you would envision would be a starter down the line. And uh, yeah, I, I actually think it kind of fills both needs where you get an immediate help into the into the rotation, but kind of long term, you get a starter. Yeah, I think you got to have sensible expectations for him next year, but it's more about uh, how he compares to the guys that he would be replacing. And I think you've seen, uh, you know, I wrote that I think it's seven draft picks the last three years uh, for the Bengals on the defensive line. And the production has not been there from that group. This second team offensive line um, has just not been consistent. And so whenever Sam Hubbard and Trey Hedrickson and DJ Reader kind of go off the field, this is just not an effective group. And so I think Murphy sort of elevates that. Um, will maybe make Hubbard and Hendrickson even all that better so they can kind of mix and match and uh, give some guys some extra time off without having to sacrifice production. Um, but I think you just have to have, a, you know, modest expectations in terms of production for Murphy, but I do think he will be better than the guys that he's sort of bumping down the draft. I mean, the uh, depth chart. And so I, I think that's where it all kind of uh, comes together. Um, you know, I do think he will be effective. Um, you know, he'll be have ups and downs as a rookie, but I think this is an upgrade over what they had with that second team um, defensive line. Yeah. And, and, and to go back to a point that Muhammad made a few minutes ago, uh, you know, I'm going to have a story about this for, uh, for our website here tomorrow. And I guess tomorrow technically being today because it's already Friday. Uh, you, you look at what happened in the rest of the AFC today. Uh, it's it's a loaded AFC. It's a really talented AFC. Teams are trying to throw the ball. Um, you get the Steelers. They help protect Kenny Pickett a little bit. But you have the AFC North with the Steelers. The Ravens added Zay Flowers. They gave Lamar a long-term deal. Like The Ravens did not sign OBJ and draft Zay Flowers to, to run the ball like they did. The Browns did not trade for Elijah Moore to run the ball with Nick Chubb 500 times a game. Like they're, they're going to throw the ball and Deshaun would assumingly would assumingly get better. So you've got the AFC North, uh, like Muhammad said, CJ uh, Stroud goes to Houston. He's on the schedule. Anthony Richardson goes to Indy. He's on the schedule. Uh, the Rams, who knows what's going on with them. Uh, Seattle, Geno Smith was pretty good last year. Kyler Murray, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and, and that offense with Justin Jefferson. Like, there's some really talented offenses that are on this schedule, and obviously you're not drafting for that schedule. But I just think you kind of look at it and say, you know, there are a lot of teams with really good quarterbacks, and, and especially in the AFC now, the AFC's loaded at quarterback and at receiver, and you've got to be able to get after the quarterback. You've got to be able to kind of cause havoc 
because it, it's it's not just can you get after the quarterback because a quarterback you can you can get rid of the ball in two seconds and your defensive line is mitigated um, or the rush is mitigated, but you, you got to have some kind of ability to make life difficult for them. And I think that that's kind of what this, what this helps you do. You know, you look at the AFC championship game last year, they really didn't put a ton of pressure on Mahomes. I didn't think so. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of those things where you look at what's kind of happening across the league and adding a pass rusher is, is certainly not the worst thing in the world. You know, to that point, Andrew, there's a point, I think Zach Taylor said this either this week or last week when they resumed, you know, voluntary workouts and he was saying that a lot of times no I think he said it this week because he was talking about kind of the pre-draft sort of plan they had you know for some teams their best player is a defensive end and I mean look at the Browns look at Miles Garrett like he's their best player no disrespect to Deshaun Watson or anyone else on that team I mean they have some really really loaded guys like there's a reason why I think the Browns will be an interesting team but like Miles Garrett has given the Bengals the most problems when they've played in the Joe Burrow era other teams could probably say the same thing you know, I think Miles Murphy won't come out the gate and be a Miles Garrett in terms of just production. Like, you know, Mike said, you have to have reasonable standards. But it's to a point where, like, that, you know, the defensive end position is becoming more and more critical to have and more and more critical to plan against. So, like, yeah, if you're Patrick Mahomes and you're Josh Allen, these guys, you got to look out for all those names you mentioned, including Miles Murphy. The opposite is true. The Bengals realize that, like, there is a lot of value in a defensive end. There is a lot of value in an edge rusher. And I think that's why, like, which is how much it's changed in the last couple of years. You know, this goes back to the strategy that Duke Tobin had of, you know, getting the best player available versus filling a need. Because you could say, oh, they really need a tight end. You can't trust Irv Smith and Drew Sample long term. Go with Michael Mayer. They didn't do that. They went with the best player that was there. And I think that best player was Miles Murphy. I mean, like, do you think, Obviously, we know they made a good pick, but like, do you think that approach really worked where it was like, you know, drafting the best player available versus drafting for need? Do you think that's what really worked out in this case? I mean, they did both, right? I mean, they needed a defensive end. I mean, we, we all said they needed pass rush, so I, I don't think this is sort of ignoring, um, you know, I think everybody kind of thought tight end, running back, and then defensive line. Um, you know, I think you can debate interior or, or, or the edge, but, I mean, boiled down to pass rush or disruption, um, and you can get those from either spot. They went with the edge rusher. Um, and so, um, you know, you saw how much, how many snaps B.J. Hill was capable of playing last year. You saw how many snaps uh, D.J. Reader could play when he was healthy. Uh, you know, Hendrickson hasn't done that, and, and, and Hubbard, I think, is a little more capable. But so, I mean, I think they wanted a guy that could take quality snaps. And so I, I don't view it as, you know, yeah, they might have drafted the best player value, but they, they drafted need as well because um, this was obviously with 30 sacks last year, fourth worst in the league, fourth worst, uh, you know, uh, sack per pass attempt. Um, you know, so they just weren't good. So, I mean, obviously a need. You know, let's say you're in a situation where really it could be two situations, either Murphy's gone or the case that we did have where you had Murphy and Brian Brissy, who, funny enough, went right after him to the Saints. I mean, like, kind of, that is a fair question of, like, you know, do you target the edge or do you target the interior? Like, do you think it made more sense to target the edge versus the interior? Because you mentioned DJ Reader. He's entering a contract year. BJ Hill had a very heavy workload, and I think that'll catch up to him sooner than, say, Trey Hendrickson. And, you know, like you said, Sam Hubbard, still in his prime. 
on the tail end of it, obviously, but you know, production's not a problem for him. Like, do you think edge rusher made more sense to prioritize over the interior in this case? I, I think it was. I think genuine, like genuinely, I, I do think Murphy. Uh, you know, th- there are certain situations where you know a team will say, "Oh, well, you know, he was the highest rated player on our board," and like, of, of course, they're going to say that. Like, what are they supposed to say? No, we actually had to reach for this guy because we needed a tight end or we needed a tackle or whatever. Like, so I, I think I, I actually genuinely believe them when just kind of looking at who Miles Murphy is and kind of what the board is right now. And I, I think I believe them when they say that Murphy was the highest rated player on their board. So if, if you consider that, then that makes sense. But also, uh, yeah, Reader's going to be a free agent. But again, uh, Trey Hendrickson's going to make – he's, he's under contract for 2023 and 2024. In 2024, he's going to make $17.5 million. And if you cut him prior to June 1st, uh, after the 2023 season, you save $15 million and you only have two and a half in dead cap. Um, you know, Sam Hubbard, he, he's under contract for three more seasons. So again, I like, I think that this kind of puts, puts Hendrickson on an interesting, an interesting path and in an interesting 2023 season, because if, if you like Miles Murphy, you got to find a way to play him. And uh, I, again, I, I just, I think that, I, I think that it, it, it might be more evident that, you know, defensive tackle and specifically, you know, nose tackle, the 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 position that DJ Reader plays on that line, because they're two different positions. But, you know, the position that Reader plays, I think that that might be a little bit more noticeable just because his contract is coming up. But you can also get out of, of Trey Hendrickson's contract really, really easily, actually, after the 2023 season. Um and I'm not saying get out of his contract as if, you know, he's, he's not a, a, a stout player, but, you know, DJ Reader going into 2023, he's their highest player. He's, he's got the highest cap number on the team. Trey Hendrickson's second. Like, you might be able to get out of both of those dollar figures uh, and, and kind of move on. So, you know, again, I think that if you if you replace that with some youth and, you know, you, you can you can find a pathway to say, okay, this can work, where at defensive end – it might not be as evident as it was a defensive tackle, if that makes well, sense. There's something to be said for the I, interior. I hope it makes sense. The interior is, is a harder position to have an impact in year one. I mean, you can give uh, defensive edge rushers very simple packages, see quarterback, get quarterback, and you know I think it's a little more different for those interior guys, uh, multiple responsibilities with the rush and things. And so uh, I think you can simplify things, not that they will for Murphy, but um, to get him on the field, Right away, and and I and I think he had the sort of bigger immediate upside than anybody available in the interior. Um, you know, probably outside of you know Jalen Carter. I mean, I, I I really think that this was sort of an easy pick over any of the other defensive sort of tackles at that spot. It's almost like all the Bengals really had to do. I mean, and, and I think you guys would agree. Like you just sit, you watch the. Uh, I don't want to say debauchery. That's not the right word, but. Very interesting situations with other teams, whether it was Jameer Gibbs or Jack Campbell or Mozzie Smith. I mean, obviously, it, it, they're not biting their nails, but like, yeah, you're kind of sweating and you're thinking like, is, are we going to get this guy? Are we going to get him? And you do. And so at that point, all you got to do is just have him on your board, feel good about him, make the pick, make the call. Um, but, you well, know, you we mentioned don't know. Like, Mozzie Smith could have been higher rated on their board than Miles Murphy. Um, you know, and, and it could have been one of those situations where they wanted to go into the interior and Mozzie was gone. 
um, and Mozzie's gone, and then Miles Murphy's the next player on your board, and they just kind of weren't assuming that both of them were going to be gone. I don't know, but um, yeah, I, interesting. I, I think, like I said, I think that that you could start to get a sense early on that this draft was was going to leave you. There, there were some there were some clues early on, um, you know, specifically when when a Darnell Wright goes ten. When Jameer Gibbs goes 12, when Will McDonald goes 15, there were some clues kind of about halfway to the Bengals pick that they were going to have some options there that they really liked. It's interesting. I don't know. It could be the case. I don't know that you would put Mozzie Smith over Miles Murphy, but maybe they see something I don't maybe because – I don't know. Yeah. Obviously, somebody did. Yeah. Well, yeah. I I don't know. Yeah, and I and I question why the Cowboys were so happy with that. I'd like to see how that plays out because – yeah, I was shocked like a lot of people, but just to kind of wrap up here, uh, since it is a very late night, as I mentioned, we are going into rounds two and three uh, on Friday night. So we'll see presumably at least two more picks unless the Bengals trade up or down or do anything fancy, which they could. Historically, they've done that, especially in recent years. At least every other year they've done, you know, something with trading up or down in the second round, you know. We talked about kind of an ideal first round situation. I think we could all agree it was an ideal first round. What would an ideal second and or third round look like for the Bengals on Friday night? Well, you know, I've been kind of beating the drum that, um, you know, that uh, it it should be best player available. But kind of looking at what's available, uh, I'm pretty surprised that Michael Mayer lasted through the end of the first round. Um, you know, Me I think too. that if, if we had had, you know, if we had had this podcast, you know, whenever and, and I had, you know, come to you guys and I said, Hey, I know for a fact that, you know, Michael Mayer is going to be available at 28. Um, we would have probably said, all right, yeah, that probably seems right for the Bengals. And that, that seems like the right pick. And that seems like a pick they'd make. Um, but only one tight end went, uh, and everybody talks about how great this tight end class is. And, you know, there's a lot of names that you've kind of heard thrown around. Uh, obviously, Mayer is going to go, I would assume, round two. Uh, Luke Musgrave is going to go. Uh, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta. Um, you know, you can kind of run down the line of tight ends. So I think a tight end that they like will be there uh, either in rounds two or three. Um, you know, I think you can also kind of start talking yourself into running back. Uh, you know, I know we've kind of we've talked about Zach Charbonnet a lot, um, but there are some other guys: Tajay Spears out of Tulane, Israel Abanacanda from Pitt, uh, Devin A. Chain from Texas A&M. There, there are guys there that kind of might be round three options. So, yeah, I mean, I think you know, hell, if you get down to the end of the first round, and uh, you know, Keely Ringo is still, or excuse me, end of the second round, and, and Keely Ringo is still there. Or, or something like that, something crazy where you kind of how, how in the world did this guy fall? Or, you know, how is, um, I'm trying to think of a name, Dewan Jones, how is Dewan Jones still available at 60? That I think you can start to talk yourself into. But uh, yeah, I, I think at some point during this draft, you know, you would need a tight end and you definitely need a running back. And uh, I just kind of think the board is going to line up that way over here over the next two or three rounds. Well, could it? I mean, you know, you saw the historical, I mean, really historical run on receivers. Um, does that happen with tight ends here? Um, there's a lot of good ones, but there was also, I mean, what? You saw six or seven different teams kind of commonly linked to these top tight ends in the first round. Um, and only, you know, only one of them drafted a tight end. So are you going to see all these guys start coming off the board early? Are they going to get, are they going to wait? Are our teams going to wait on them? And that gives the Bengals sort of the pick the litter. You know, Darnell Washington would be a really good player in this system. 
you know, if, if Mayer goes sort of early in that second round, um, you know, Washington's sort of a freak athlete uh, himself. So um, I, I think it could go either way. Uh, I think you do need to sort of address those holes. Uh, uh, in the second round, I will be interested to see if they value running back over tight end or vice versa to see how they have that sort of on their board if they go in that direction because uh, we've kind of thought that they would at some point address those needs. Yeah, well, and, and I think yeah. you kind of look at the board um, with with not only the draft, but, okay, there are going to be players who, I mean, you're going to find uh, you're going to find guys who maybe get squeezed out of a job. You know, I, I talked to you guys about this at the at the stadium, actually. Um, I, I would start making calls about DeAndre Swift. Um, you know, DeAndre's like the, the, uh, I almost forgot their name. It's really late. Uh, the lions drafted, uh, Jameer Gibbs 12th. He's their starting running back. They signed David Montgomery and now you have DeAndre Swift. Uh, and there was a quote from the, uh, from the lions GM, uh, that I'll pull up that are, you know, I don't, I want, I don't want to pull up right now, but it was basically to the effect of, well, he's on the team right now and, you know, we value him, but we'll see where we're at. So that to me kind of says, if you want him, come get him. And DeAndre Swift is a player that that is explosive and it kind of fills a need for you. And you're certainly not going to have to pay a second, a third round pick. And, um, you know, you're probably paying a sixth or a seventh round pick for that guy at this point, just considering the Lions have no leverage. So there there are going to be options like that that pop up. And I'm curious to see if that kind of is a uh, that kind of is a, is a is a factor here, because there are still some talented running backs on the free agent market. Uh, you know, Kareem Hunt's still out there. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette and Zeke are still out there. there, there there's not nothing. So I, I think that uh, the running back position is going to be really interesting to monitor here for rounds two and three. And as you get into four, five, and six. Well, for those of you who want to continue monitoring everything involving the Bengals in this weekend's draft, what's to come, what has already come and what that means, make sure you sign up for our Strictly Stripes newsletter. It is the best Bengals newsletter you can get out there. You sign up by going to cleveland.com slash newsletters. It's free. It's in your inbox every morning. And make sure you click on the Strictly Stripes newsletter option. And if you want to stay in touch with us, a.k.a. me, Mike, and Andrew, sign up for our Cincinnati Football Insider Subtext Service. We have been bringing all of our opinions and insight to our growing base of subscribers before Twitter, before the web, before anybody, because that's the Cool Kids Club. If you want to join the Cool Kids Club, as I like to call it, Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. It's $4.99 a month, but it's a two-week free trial to start, which you can cancel anytime. So make sure you sign up because it's a lot of fun. Thanks for staying with us on this late Thursday night slash Friday morning. We will do the same thing Friday night slash Saturday morning at the ends of at the end of rounds two and three. But once again, for myself, Andrew and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a good night slash good morning.